You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Good morning. <laughs> That's some good good mornings. Awesome. <laughs> Great bass playing, by the way. Very good. You're right on. So awesome. So good morning everybody again thank you for coming to church today and joining us it's you know the little ones in us individually are good but the big ones when we're all together and in unity and one accord that's when it gets God's attention I think and so um, it's good to gather it's good to be be together and uh, I want to just kind of carry on with the theme that we've um, experienced in worship and that is Jesus. Uh, some of you younger people don't know this, and probably I shouldn't even talk about it, but I guess it's okay. Um, remember the Waltons, the, mo- the, the show The Waltons? And they had the Baldwin sisters. Remember the Baldwin sisters? What They had the recipe. Remember the recipe? And I think it was moonshine, but I'm not sure. But if you went to the Baldwin sisters' home, they would always offer you the recipe because it would fix just about any problem that you had. And uh, so in this, kind of in the spirit of that, I mean, the Holy Spirit's connected to wine and all, but kind of in the spirit of that, we're talking about the name of Jesus today. And I couldn't help but think that every road has to be led, lead us to Jesus in some way. Um, the, the, The single solution to everything is Jesus, right? Remember the, the transfiguration, Matthew 17. Um, Jesus is there with the disciples and this big thing happens with Elijah showing up and, and all kinds of things. And all of a sudden, a voice came. Everybody hit the deck. And when they came back to, the only thing that, the only thing that they could see, the only thing left was Jesus standing there. And he is the center point. And if you want to simplify Christianity, it's very easy to do. You simplify it, boil it right down to Jesus. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to, you're going to see how this turns into really being about Jesus. If you have a problem, if you have uh, depression, anybody suffer with depression over the last couple of months? Oh, it's tough. It's brutal. It's like an inescapable ditch, but that's depression. Whatever your problem is, it's Jesus as the answer. That's why we sing his name. That's why we can't stop talking about him. He says, if, if I be lifted up the name of Jesus, I'll draw all men to me. So this morning, um, I'm going to talk about Ruth, but we're going to actually, I've got some actors. And I went out um, to the highways and byways. We ran out of female options tried to get Shannon but um, you knew I brought your name up anyways you don't want that probably but we've got so we had a couple uh, people fill in as females but just kind of go with it and I'm gonna listen the reason I'm doing my wife doesn't want me to do this she thinks it's a bad idea and we'll we'll see how it turns out so (laughs) But I'm going to read the first chapter of Ruth because 
it's a little confusing if you, I had to read it like seven or eight times to really get what's happening. I said, I think we'll play it out behind me so you can kind of get the feel of really what's happening here. And I'm going to read it and they're going to do everything they can to act it out in the, in the way that it's read. And we, could, we see we start off with, we got a big B over there for Bethlehem, right? Bethlehem's there. And then over here, we've got an M for Moab. And um, they're 99 miles apart, 100 miles apart or so, just like maybe the distance between Messina and Lauville or something like that. So, uh, you know, after 10 years, the honeymoon's over, the marriage is over. Um, and so there's the Orpah side that says, I'm going back to, going back to Moab. And uh, I think uh, we all go through these kinds of tests in our lives. The, the, the picture here is that Naomi gives them this free will back, encourages them, don't go with me. And, and that's what happens when God gives us our free will and lets us make that decision. Um, I went through it at around four years into my Christian walk. I um, had a friend who adopted me as his name was Alex Hayday, and he, he took me on to teach me, to bring me to a level of tennis. He was a professor at Clarkson, but he used to play with people like Tony Trabert. He played on the tour, and he said one day, he said after, after we made a long week, he says, I, I can get you on the satellite tour down in Florida, and you'll lose to all of them. All of, uh, you'll start losing, and then you'll start winning, and you'll play with the big boys. That's what he said. I don't know if that would be true or not, but I remember saying to him, I can't. Um, I got to be where I'm at. I know where I'm supposed to be. And then about four years later after that, I was at Alcoa walking the streets of California with the senior VP at the time. And he said, what do you want to do in Alcoa? Anything you want. And I said, I, I, this is not for me. This is not what I'm called to do. And so I kind of um, burnt the bridge there as well. And I, but I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew what I had to how I had to handle it. And I knew that I needed to be, make it, be it known today, one of those things, right? Be it known today that this is what I'm about. I'm not gonna be a tennis player. I'm not gonna be an Alcoa executive or whatever it is. I am gonna be who God has called me to be. By the way, I have no opportunity right now, but still, that's what I'm gonna be. And you're, we're gonna see this play out right here. Um, Orpah said, basically, it's just not that important to me. At the end of the, end of the day, it's just not that important to me. Versus Ruth, who clung to her with conviction. And conviction is maturity. We've been talking about maturity over the last month or so. This is the mark of maturity in your life and my life. Do we have good Bible-based convictions? I heard it said once, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything, right? And uh, we need to be those that stand up, that not shrink back and have good Christian convictions. And I've seen Christians with convictions the wrong way. I know, I know what I call considered to be good Christians that will not identify with the church. They have a strong conviction. I'm not going to identify. I'm not going to be a part of men, you know, because it's messy. You know church is messy, right? There, listen, if you, if you haven't experienced yet, you're gonna. Uh, when there's, there's unity here, but there's also an enemy who's trying to divide us. So that's very real, and we get it that there's offenses, 
Jesus said, they're going to come. They are going to come. Woe to him to who they come, but they are going to come. So we need to have that in front of us. We need to understand that things aren't always going to be peachy, and we got to be ready to be able to handle that when it comes. And other people would say, Spurgeon or Tozier, that's my pastor. And, and that's, so, that's a strong conviction, but it's not biblical. Spurgeon and Tozier are dead, like our, some of our actors. They're not, it's easy to be accountable to Spurgeon and Tozier when they're dead. It's a whole different thing. So those are not good convictions. We need to have biblical-based con convictions. Like Ruth. Ruth said, I'm not going back to Moab, even if there's no opportunity. I'm, gonna, I'm committed to you, Naomi. And she was willing to remain in a difficult situation out of loyalty and principle. And I remember this section in Scripture, John chapter 6. Wow, what a, what a section. Jesus preaches to the crowd. And he says, unless you eat of my flesh and you drink of my blood, you don't have any part with me. And he, and he expanded upon that. And then he gets done. And it says, from that time forward, many of the disciples left him and followed him no more, it says. And then he, he looked at Peter and the other disciples says, are you going to leave also? And Peter said, where else am I going to go? You're the ones, you're the one with words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Christ. And so Peter realized there was something in him. There was something in him that said, I'm staying. I'm going to be a part of this. And, and even though it's hard, I have no idea, Jesus, what you just meant about eating your flesh and drinking your blood. But I'm staying anyways. And I'm telling you, God doesn't make it easy for us to stay. But I've said it before. Um, there are some people who I could beg, pay, do whatever to get them to come to church, and they're not coming. There are other people who, no matter what I did wrong to them, hurt them, disrespect them, um, whatever, I can't keep them away. And it's that conviction, that deep down thing inside that God does in you as Ruth there's a lot of Ruths out here that keep you and you're going to say where else am I going to go I'm ruined for this thing and um, that's a real healthy place to be I'm, I'm, I just surrender that place of surrender right so conviction conviction equals maturity that's what I'm saying this morning and we need as American Christians especially to have conviction conviction like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them? And they said, our God is able to deliver us. But if not, be it known today. They said, be it known today. There's a time when you and I have to say, be it known. I am in this. Be it known today that we will not bow down. That's conviction. David, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Psalm 101. Remember he said that? I'm going to. Clear things out that are going to distract me or bring me down. I'll set no wicked thing before me. Joseph, remember Joseph? Joseph, no way, Mrs. Potiphar. No way. That's conviction. That ability to say no. Titus says, the grace of God that appears to all of us teaches us to say no, right? 
That's a sign of maturity when we can say no to things that we need to say no to. And Jesus, of course, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Ruth, we see Ruth saying, nothing less than death is going to separate us. Conviction is maturity. Until you have properly placed convictions, you will be tossed to and fro like a wave driven of the sea. Right? I belong to you, Naomi. I belong in Bethlehem. I don't belong in Moab. I know my place. I know where I'm not supposed to be. Right? How many of you know where you're not supposed to be? Some of you shouldn't be in a bar. Right? I could go into a bar. I wouldn't have any problems. But I probably shouldn't be, like I think I said before, I probably shouldn't be in a used car lot. That's a little too tempting for me. Um, you know who Cal Thomas is? Anybody ever heard of Cal Thomas? He's a syndicated columnist or whatever, but he's like one of my heroes. Do you know who Cal, Cal is? Um, again, he's on Christian radio a lot. He's been for years. I, I watched him. He came to Poxham State once when I was in college. But he met with Jim Baker. Anybody remember Jim Baker from the PTL club or whatever? He met with Jim after he got out of the jail. As I remember uh, Cal saying to Jim, "You, because Jim got out of jail, prison, and he was doing pretty good. And Cal said, Jim, stay away from the cameras. You don't belong in front, front of a, that's your kryptonite. And he returned to the cameras and self-destructed once again. And so we have to know as Christians where we don't belong too, right? Not just where we belong. But um, Moab in this case perhaps is not necessarily the worst situation. Naomi released them, but it's not God's best, right? And Orpah took herself out of the game. We didn't hear from Orpah anymore after this. Who knows? I don't know. But Orpah went back to Moab. Um, but we do know that the next big God event was not going to be in Moab, right? And we know from the scriptures that it was going to happen in Bethlehem. And that's what the story of Ruth is all about. Now let's talk about Naomi just a little bit. Naomi, she's the other generation. She's the me generation. Some of the others of us, like, you know, Dale, I think I mentioned you in every sermon, but I, I see you. In, but we're the, we are the, um, the Naomi generation. And we've been through a lot, right? Um, just like Naomi went through the loss of her husband and her two boys, a lot of us older generation have been through the loss of children, uh, siblings, been through divorce, whatever, just been through a lot of pain. And you know, it's tough on a person to lose a lot. It's hard on them to continually get knocked down. I think of the Buffalo Bills from 90 to 93. I know we're done with football. That's last week. But they lost in the Super Bowl four times in a row. And I, I got to believe that just really, I, I know it really hurt them. And uh, it hurts us. When we go through loss repetitively, continually, how many of you ever play sports? You've been on a team that loses every game? It takes a lot out of you. A couple hands went up. I have. I contributed to the loss a lot of times. Um, it's tough to lose, and, and uh, a lot of times it takes a toll on us. And it did on Naomi. 
it, it, verse 13, it says, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. This is Naomi speaking. This is everything that's coming out of her mouth, all the negativity, but it's the truth. Sometimes we, we say, oh, don't talk negative. Other times you got to just let it go, right? Uh, verse 20, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Verse 21, I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Verse 21 again, the Lord has testified against me. And then, he, then she says, the Almighty has afflicted me. The Almighty has afflicted me. And she says, don't call me Naomi anymore. My name is Mara. Mara. Downcast. Hurt. Broken. And I don't know about you, but I'm a Mara Christian sometimes. I, yet Wednesday, I was a, I, I, Wednesday was a tough day for me. I don't know. I have some good days and some bad days. And, but Wednesday was a tough day. Everything seemed to kind of just go against me. And it was a Mara day. And I remember Wednesday at around 10 of 7, I don't want to go to prayer. But I knew I needed to be there. And I left. I came in just a couple set minutes late. And I was there, and I think if you were there, you remember I came up and I prayed a prayer, a Mara prayer, right up the right at the beginning. I said, "Oh God, we're broken," <laughs> you know, and uh, and so um, we're Mara Christians, and some of us, as we get older, we don't handle it right. We become bitter, cantankerous, blaming God for everything. And I heard even things I don't know. Uh, Justin, you can tell. I heard things about Martin Luther when, at the end of his ministry, he was bitter. I think. I think that's that's true. So we got to watch out for that as older generation Christians. We got to remain soft and pliable before the Lord. And Naomi, even though she was bitter, even though she says the hand of the Lord has gone out against me, she knew to go back to Bethlehem. She said, I've got to go back to Bethlehem. She had that conviction, right? And so as us, as older Christians, the older generations, let's make sure that we're at least in church, that we're a place where the waters may stir, right? And Naomi knew that that place was Bethlehem. Be in church. Be in a place where there's when there's prayer, be in prayer time. The older generation fill up Wednesday night now. It's um, um, even the Saturday morning prayer with men's prayer. It's all us older guys. Yesterday I was the youngest until Ethan showed up. But be in the place where the waters may stir. Remember that in John chapter 8 where the waters, uh, the invalid, 30 years he, he sat there, waited for the waters to stir. Well, the waters stir here. And they stir every Sunday, and uh, you know I think about I think about Asbury, and uh, anybody hear about Asbury? And there's something going on there that's really, really great. And I'm not I won't be surprised if this is brought up in many many churches this morning, and that same fire catch. Wait, you wait, just wait, just watch, see what happens, see what you hear about. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But um, are we open here? How's your schedules? <laughs> How are your schedules? Be ready to clear your schedules. Don't don't um, put anything in there in pink, in pen. Write it in pencil, right, if you know what I mean. And that goes for all of our lives. We understand the priorities 
and when something more of more of a priority comes along, we know that we need to erase it, erase the existing plan, and go with the priority. So let's see what happens with the whole Asbury thing. Um, let's understand that Asbury um, can happen here. It's, it's something we've been praying for for years. J Justin, I don't know what's going to happen, but let it come, God. Whatever, whatever you want to do, and let's be open to that. Amen. So there's two great conviction-based decisions here. Naomi and Ruth, leading up to the story of Boaz, right? And my friend, I had a friend for seven years, maybe eight years. Her name was Jeannie Goodenough. Jeannie passed away New Year's Day this year. But for the last couple years of her life, some of you know Jeannie. She was here in this church. She's come to this church in her wheelchair, but the last couple of years, she was really basically in bed and couldn't move. And I'd go to visit her, and um, I'd say, Jeannie, how are you doing? She'd start off with the, with the Naomi thing. Oh, I hurt. And, and then she'd immediately stop herself, and she'd say, but God doesn't make mistakes. No mistakes. And I just was, I would marvel at her faith, because I'd leave there knowing that the next time I see her, she's still going to be in the same spot a week later or whatever. And, um, but she said, God doesn't make mistakes. And Matthew 5, 18 says, not one jot, not one tittle shall pass away until all is fulfilled. Through Naomi's bitterness, Ruth's missed opportunities, our generation with the losses and younger generation sacrifices, many of you are in momentum, sacrificing a year. We know that God doesn't make mistakes. And this story is certainly no exception. And neither are your circumstances, right? Believe thou this. Believe thou this. All things work together for good. All things. Not 99%. 100% of everything that's going in your life, all the difficulties, the troubles you've had, the sacrifices you've made, it's all working together for good as long as we get, get ourselves back to Bethlehem, right? So I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to read Ruth chapter 4, verse 37, or verse 13 through 17. This is the culmination at the end. We know what went on, the whole courting thing with, with uh, Ruth and Boaz, and it ends up like this. Boaz took Ruth. And she became her his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life, and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her bosom, and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, there is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. 
He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Powerful culmination of events, right? Ruth has probably been the brunt of Naomi's discouragement. Probably heard about it continually, day after day. Um, we know she says publicly, I've returned empty. And Ruth is sitting there, well, what am I? You know? And at the end, Ruth finally rises up and says, I am better to you than seven sons. And she hands her the baby. What a picture. What a picture of God completing something, turning something back around. And perhaps you and I have disregarded people who will ultimately deliver the baby into our hands, right? And so I want to encourage everybody today. That's all there is to this. I want to encourage everybody that what you're going through, as long as we hold fast and keep at it, put our face towards Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and serve God with conviction that things are going to happen to our benefit, to our blessing. The plan in this case is intact. The lineage is now established because who knows where Jesus came from? From David, from Jesse, from Obed, from Ruth, right? It came forth by the will of God which he maintained, which he held to. That plan, like we talked, like we sang about this morning in worship, where everything leads to Jesus, just like this, everything, Ruth, Obed, Jesse, David, all the way down to Jesus. All, all roads lead to Jesus. That's the answer. In kids' church, the answer to any question is Jesus, right? In real life, adult life, answer is Jesus. It hasn't changed. Conviction puts you in the place to hold the baby. So how much weight do the things of God carry in your life? How little does it take to keep you from church, from reading your Bible, from praying? What do you allow your eyes to see? Can you stand by injustice without a reaction? Can you walk by a hurting person? If you're mature, your convictions will drive your actions. Amen. a good reminder to live life by conviction. I love what, what Bruce pulled out that verse that God works all things together for good. And we see like even in the story of Ruth that takes place over over many decades and, and even even beyond that like we see the, the 10 years going from Bethlehem to Moab and eventually back to Bethlehem and then Ruth 
eventually having a baby and then eventually that baby has a baby and that baby has a baby named David and, and so on and so forth. We see through this story that it takes place over a long period of time that God does eventually work all things together for good. And that's, that's our hope that as we live with conviction, as we live by these principles, as we live following God, that the things right now we don't understand, God's going to work it out. I love, Greg says it often, that God wastes nothing. Whatever you have, whatever you have in your hands now, whatever you have in your life now, whatever God is doing in you, he's, he's going to turn it around. He's going to do something with it. And we believe that ultimately it'll all end in, in good. I invite you to stand with me and we'll just pray and we'll head into our week together. But thank you, Bruce, for sharing. He always brings, makes it so practical. I love it. I love, I, love, I love those illustrations. I love what, just a reminder to live lives of conviction and to trust that God will work things together. God, we thank you for what you're doing in us. God, as we follow you, as, as we make those choices, as we live by that conviction, God, we know that, that you are doing a work and that you will work it out, that you will bring good out of every circumstance, that you will bring hope out of, out of every situation. But God, we, we continue to, to walk this out, to commit to, to live life with conviction, to, com to com commit to follow and, and walk in maturity. So God, we give you this day. God, move, it, move into our situation. God, do your work. God, lead us, guide us, show us, show us what we need to do God, to partner with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for being here. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.